This week, we are continuing our Hello series on how to hear the voice of God. We are in week four of Hello, um, and this morning I want to title the message, The Spirit and the Voice. The Spirit and the Voice. So we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit is the voice of God in our lives and how the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our day-to-day lives. But before that, um, let's pray. And for those of you who are proactive and want to get ahead of the curve, we're going to be in John 14. So you can turn there. But first, let's, uh, let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit among us. God, we take a second and we make space. We take a second and instead of just rushing into the next thing, like we're so often geared to do and used to doing, before just jumping into what's next, before running, 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 and working hard and getting to the thing, we just take a second and we pause. And we recognize you. We recognize that you are Emmanuel, God with us. We recognize that you speak to us. We recognize that you love us. We recognize that beyond what we do, we are yours. That beyond the work that we do, beyond the degree that we seek, beyond the occupation that we so desire and are working towards in our lives, we recognize, Lord, that we are your sons and we're your daughters. And so God, allow us to cultivate the awareness of just being, of being yours, of being loved. And I pray that this morning, your Holy Spirit would make us recognize how close you actually are. And I pray that as we handle your scriptures, you would teach us, would you instruct us, would you train us up in righteousness. And as we unpack this idea of how to hear your voice, I pray that you would make our ears open to it, you would make our eyes open, you would make our hearts receptive to the word of the Lord and the truths that you do in fact speak to us today. You're not done speaking, You don't not want to speak. You don't avoid speaking. But God, you are actively speaking to us, both objectively and subjectively, publicly and personally. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you here this morning. We ask that you would come. We ask that you would speak to us. We ask that you you would illuminate our understanding. And we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my Redeemer, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. And everybody said, Amen. The Holy Ghost for all you Pentecostal charismatic people. Yeah, all right. I'm going to say that more often then. John 14. John 14, 16 through 17 is where we're going. Uh, John... 13 through 16, uh, arguably 17, is really this last charge, this last group of teaching um, that Jesus is giving to his disciples. The disciples had walked with Jesus for three years. They had done life with him. They had seen him in action. They had healed the sick with him. They had raised the dead with him. They had gone through thick and thin with Jesus over the course of his life here on earth. And uh, we get to the point in John 13 where Jesus 
takes his disciples into the upper room. And we're all very aware of this iconic scene. You know, there are, there are paintings about it, and there are songs about it. And we're very, we're very aware and familiar with this idea of the upper room and this last Passover that Jesus shares with his disciples. But what John does that, that few of the epistles do is he really hones in and focuses in on the teachings that Jesus gave his disciples in the upper room. Uh, the other three, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, who bear uh, very uh, strong similarities in this scene, they, they emphasize um, the actual breaking of the bread and the fellowship that they had, but John kind of exclusively gives a look under the hood at the teachings and the things that Jesus said as he is moments away from being betrayed and from being delivered over to death and to crucifixion and to ending his life here on earth. And so these teachings... Um, are really Jesus' last charge to his disciples. And so I want to pick this up in John 14, 16 through 17, and then we'll jump to John 16. But John 14 says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Everybody say forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is telling his disciples, and and he has been over the course of these last three years, he's been referencing this idea that he is going to have to go. He, uh, he's been telling them, sometimes in passing, sometimes explicitly, that he will be leaving earth and returning to the Father. And really, the disciples have been hanging out with Jesus, and things are going good, and their, their minds are being blown daily by all the things that Jesus is doing. And so they you know, kind of tend to put these ideas on the shelf. But now when Jesus is looking death square in the face, he's actually telling his disciples, guys, I'm leaving and imagine if you're a disciple at this point. You're, you're hearing Jesus, this, this man that you love, your best friend, this guy, this Messiah who really the nation of Israel as a whole has been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds, arguably thousands of years. And he's come and you've gotten to know him and you're, you're sharing in life together. And now he's saying that you, he has to go. I mean, this no doubt is a heart-wrenching reality for the disciples to come to grips with, and they know that it's going to happen in a matter of hours, maybe even moments, and so they're grieved, they're broken, they're distressed, and Jesus is, is seeking to comfort them, and he says in this word of comfort that, hey, I have to go. But check this out, it's actually better if I go, because if I go, you know, I can only be at one place on earth at one time, me, Jesus. But when I go, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to be with you. But he's not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you. He's going to dwell in you and in you and in you and in all believers. And so therefore, you can know me and continue to know me by the Holy Spirit that is with you. And he's saying that though he has to leave, the Holy Spirit and his presence will be with him. And with the disciples. And so now because of uh, Jesus dying and raising from the dead and going back up to the Father and, and him releasing the Holy Spirit. Now all of us in this room and all of us who are worshiping Jesus throughout the world this morning. Every single believer who confesses Jesus is Lord has this Holy Spirit that now dwells in them. 
And it's the spirit of Jesus, and it's the spirit that teaches us, and it's the spirit that is the very presence of God. And I think often, you know, we're on a series in the Holy Spirit um, at New Life North, New Life Downtown, New Life Friday Night. And an idea that's being addressed, if you've been in these services, is that often the Holy Spirit is thought of as kind of the token person of the Trinity, like, yeah, okay, there's the Father, and there's the Son, and the Holy Spirit, yeah, we're not really sure about who he is. He's, you know, from what I know, he's kind of the crazy uncle that, like, busts in the door. Hey, let's do this thing. You know, Uncle Eddie, Christmas vacation style. You're like, okay, who is this Holy Spirit guy? Like, I know he's probably God, and the Bible says he's God, but what does that actually look like? And, you know, quantifiably, how, how do we really equate what the Holy Spirit does? And, and it's tricky, and he's this figure that's often incredibly misunderstood, But uh, Jesus continually refers to the Holy Spirit as this presence of God. And he's saying that the the, the Holy Spirit is not going to be kooky, and it's not going to be weird. And yeah, okay, when you're dealing with the supernatural, at times things may get a little wild, and things may happen that, you know, blow your mind and you don't really understand, and that's okay, and that's natural. But more than that, it's going to be this Spirit, this living presence of God with you. And it's not about the crazy stuff that the Holy Spirit does, but it's about this presence that is with you and in you. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And so he's encouraging his disciples that we all now have the Holy Spirit. And so in our lives, when we wake up in the morning, the Holy Spirit is with us. When we get in our car to go to school, the Holy Spirit's with us. When we're sitting at our cubicle at work and our coworker is blasting music that drives you crazy, the Holy Spirit is with you. And not only with you, but in you, this, this indwelling, intimate presence of God. And so because now the Holy Spirit is living with us, he is speaking to us constantly, consistently, every single day. This presence is not just some token presence that's just kind of, okay, great, God's with me, and now I can know that I can live through life and then eventually get to heaven. But it's this intimate relationship that we've been drawn into by the seal of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit lives in us, and now he's communing with us, and he's conversing with us, and he's doing life and relationship with us. And it's because Jesus went up to the Father and sent him. This is the reality that Jesus is trying to communicate to his disciples. And he continues in John 16, verses 12 through 16, talking about the Holy Spirit when he says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. It's important to recognize that Jesus didn't just say everything he needed to say here on earth and then he's forever done speaking, but he actually had more that he wanted to say to his disciples and to his followers that he didn't get a chance to. And so he says in verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Everybody say all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. He won't be that crazy Uncle Eddie that just shows up and kind of shakes up the party. But instead, whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so Jesus here is saying that the Holy Spirit is this spirit that guides us into all truth. And that Jesus had so much to say 
to his disciples, and he had all these truths to unpack, and he had all these, this theology to kind of reveal to the disciples, and, and things about practical living, and things about life, and relationships, and all of these things that he didn't have a chance to say, and so he said, I'm going to send you the Spirit, and guess what? The Holy Spirit is going to now take over, and the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And all these things that I wanted to say and I needed to say and all this truth that you need to be aware of for your life, well, now guess what? The Holy Spirit in the abiding presence in you is going to speak to you and teach you and guide you into all truth. You see, the big idea that we see here in John 14 and 16 and Jesus' teaching of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus primarily spoke of the Spirit as the abiding presence of God that would consistently speak to his disciples. This abiding presence of the Spirit, this Spirit that not only is, is kind of just with us, like, okay, great, but the Spirit that's consistently speaking and who's guiding us and who's leading us into all truth. He's always speaking to us. And anytime someone says, I believe in Jesus Christ and puts their hope in him and declares that Jesus is Lord, well, the Bible is explicitly clear that the Holy Spirit then indwells that believer. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so every single person who says that Jesus is Lord and confesses and glorifies and lives their life for Jesus and now lives with this saving faith of Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit, this abiding presence, this life, this relationship that consistently speaks to the followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I think so often when we address these ideas of how to hear the voice of God and when we're thinking about how God speaks and when we're trying to hear God better in our lives— Relate with me if you're in the same boat, but I think we can all share similar frustrations in our lives about feeling like we're actually not hearing the voice of God. I think so often kind of in church or in small groups or wherever we're receiving the word, it can be like, you know, God speaks to you and, and just listen to the Holy Spirit and all this stuff. And you're thinking, ah, that, that's not me. How do I know that God's speaking to me? How do I know his voice? I don't really feel like God's speaking to me in the way that I think he does. And it's this confusing and frustrating thing. But the Holy Spirit is the X factor. The Holy Spirit's the game changer. The Holy Spirit abides and dwells with us. And I actually would argue that I think people are frustrated that they're not hearing the voice of God when actually in their lives, if they believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking. And I would argue that it's actually so familiar to them that they don't actually know and can't put a finger to what the voice of God actually sounds like. Because think about it for a second. If the Holy Spirit is in fact the abiding presence of God and is indwelt not only with us but in us, Jesus talking about how the Holy Spirit's a part of us, well, then that should be a very, very familiar spirit that we kind of are just aware of and it's with us all the time and it's something that we become familiar with and I think the familiarity sometimes can actually breed content. and Contempt, not content. <laughs> and I think it can breed this, this mishearing of God where we actually, we're so familiar with the Holy Spirit that we really can't put a finger to his voice or to his presence, you know what I'm saying? Because he's such a part of us. And Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is with you and he's in you. And don't worry, the question about you hearing from him and him speaking isn't an issue here. Jesus didn't even address that. He said, well, duh, 
If the relational abiding presence of the Holy Spirit is with you, then of course he's going to be speaking to you. So it's not a matter of if the Holy Spirit's speaking. It's a matter of if we're recognizing that he's speaking. And so if you're in the boat this morning of looking at your life and, and, and getting frustrated that you feel like God's not speaking to you, well, we're going to go through that here in a second. But take a second and recognize that the Holy Spirit is and has been speaking to you since the minute you decided to believe in Jesus Christ. Because that spirit is in you, and it dwells with you. And it's this abiding, relational, conversational presence of God. And those, those passing thoughts, and those impressions in your soul, and those moments of illumination when you're reading the scriptures and something just pops out, that is the Holy Spirit. Those are ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and draws us into that truth. And again, we become so familiar with it and we neglect to realize that it is in fact the very voice of God spoken by the Holy Spirit. And like anything, hearing the voice and recognizing the voice, I think, takes time. And it takes this fine-tuning and it takes work and it takes us becoming aware of this presence that has always been with us. And becoming aware of this voice that has always been speaking to us. And it requires us to fine-tune our ears to hear his voice clearly and effectively. The first four years uh, in full-time ministry for me, in this vocation of full-time ministry, I spent as a worship leader. And um, I started off in student ministry. I led worship there for about three years. Then I uh, went to kids ministry. I led worship for New Life Kids over here um, last year for about a year. And... uh, I've found, you know, meeting worship leaders and meeting musicians, that the best musicians and worship leaders have the best ears. They're able to just know a note or know a key or know, you know, the kind of the, the flowings of a song based on the music. And they're, and they're just sharp. They're with it and they're together. And I actually had one buddy who was annoyingly like this. And I'm not, not going to say his name, but uh, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. But I'm going to make fun of him anyway because he would always, he was that guy, kind of an Andy Bernard type, like a you know, like a really like scatty, like, yeah, yeah, upbeat, happy, really into music. And we'd, we'd be like hanging out and, you know, we'd hear a car horn going off and he's like, oh, that's a B flat. I'm like, yeah, all right, man. Cool. Great. Or, or my cell phone goes off and he's like, oh yeah, that's in D. I'm like, okay, sweet. Yeah, all right. You, you know, my mom says, Josh, she's, uh, you, you know, she said that in C. That's actually, I'm like, dude, shut up. I don't care. You are annoying. Okay, I get it. You have a good ear. You're a good musician. But what was funny was, is that when we were out, when we were hanging out, there'd be notes and noises that would kind of just spring out normal things that, that I would always hear. And because his ear was so fine-tuned, he'd be able to say, oh, that car horn that's so familiar and that I've heard my entire life, yeah, that's a B flat. And as annoying as it was, it taught me that these sounds that are around us and these sounds that I've always heard and I've always been familiar with are actually notes and they're actually music and they can actually fit in a key. And so by being friends with him, then I, I learned to refine my ear and to sharpen my ear to where I would hear the same things. I would say, oh, yeah, that is in, that is in B flat. Oh, man, yeah, that, that piece of metal that just hit the concrete, yeah, that's an E or, you know, whatever. Like random sounds that, that I was so familiar with all of a sudden became music. And it became something that um, 
it always bore a certain kind of nature. It always bore a sound. It always had a certain note. But I was just becoming aware of it. And I think it's the same way in our relationship with God, where God is always speaking to us. The Holy Spirit is always speaking to us. And you may have those annoying people that are like, the Holy Spirit told me this. Okay, duh. I'm just trying to figure this out for myself. And, you know, as we walk through life and as we figure this out and as we continue to hear the voice of God and when we fine-tune our ears to hear God's voice, we quickly find that the voice that speaks to us today is the voice that's been speaking to us for year after year after year ever since the day that we said yes to Jesus Christ. But it takes that fine-tuning. It doesn't happen by accident. It takes us honing in the ability to hear, actively uh, participating with the Spirit and listening to His voice and learning what exactly it sounds like and distinguishing that abstract car horn noise that we hear across the street into a B-flat and into the very voice of God. Does that make sense? So I think some of us may be getting frustrated because we're not we feel like we're not hearing God's voice, but the question is, have you fine-tuned your ears? Have you actively worked to hear the voice of God? Because it doesn't happen just by accident. I mean, this is something that needs to be cultivated. It's something that, though it's familiar and though it's a part of us, it's something that we need to wrap our natural minds around, and that's the trick, is bringing this supernatural concept, this amazing revelation, you know, into the rational and into the pragmatic and into the concrete and something that's reliable and durable and trustworthy. And so the question is, have you, you know, okay, get, get frustrated, great. But have you fine-tuned your ears to hear the voice of God? Are you actively working to do that? Or are you just sitting in a corner pouting and throwing a fit because you feel like God's not speaking to you? When in reality, he is. It just falls on you and you growing in the recognition of hearing his voice. You know, the question is, can you sit still for five minutes in silence and hear God without your cell phone? And without Instagram and without texting, can you, can you just sit still for five or ten minutes and not say anything and not think anything, but just be present with the Lord and listen for his voice? Have you allotted daily space in your life to, to really make space for God to speak? Or are you assuming that God is just going to miraculously drop this divine word in your lap in your busyness? Have you prepared a table for God? Have you made space? Have you given him margin in your life to allow him to speak to you and for you to recognize it? Or are you just assuming that you can tack God onto a busy schedule and yeah, he's going to do his thing there? Or, check this out, here's one. Have you committed beforehand to obey whatever God tells you before he even says it? Have you said, yes, whatever God says, I'm going to do it? Because so often we can go to God and we can say, God, speak to me. Speak to me, God. Oh, you know, we're like freaking out. Oh, come on. And then he says, okay, break up with that girl. Yeah, all right, see ya. You know, I'm going to jump on Instagram now. Or God, speak to me. Come on. Oh, okay. Change your major. God, I'm a nursing major. I've put like $40,000 into this major. I've spent the last four years. No, I'm not changing my major. No. Okay. Or stop looking at porn. Stop lusting. Stop comparing yourself to those people around you. Stop delving into this insecure life when I have value and identity for you. You know, we, we, if we don't make up our minds right off the bat to say, yes, God, I, I'm, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to obey. I'm going to give myself to your will and your way. And God speaks to us. Then we hear more. 
If we say, yes, God, speak to me, I promise and I commit myself to obedience, then I would argue if you have that mentality and that heart, you're going to hear the voice of God much more clearly and much more regularly. But if you haven't made up your mind to fully surrender and fully obey and fully give your life, your time, your talents, your sin issues, everything you struggle with to God, then that's going to make it really difficult to hear God. Because when he does speak, you're just going to put it on the shelf. And you're going to say, no, it's okay. And then that actually hardens our heart to hearing the voice of God. But when we say, God, I am yours. Every part of me is yours. My sexuality, my identity, my habits, my time, my relationships, all of it, my occupational pursuits, it's all yours. Then we open up our hearts and we soften them and our hearts become pliable and we're able to hear the voice of God through the Holy Spirit more clearly and more fine-tunedly. And we realize, wow, okay, this voice I hear this voice through surrender. I hear this voice through obedience. And so it's all about intentionality. It's about making a space. It's about giving God room to speak to us because God's always speaking. It's taking the time to listen. It's taking the space to allow God to speak. It's surrendering those things in our life that we need to surrender to. And it's intentionally listening to God and not expecting some word to drop out of the sky, but actually leaning in and saying, God, I'm actively listening right now. What would you speak to me? I see this principle play out in my marriage uh, from time to time. So with JC, disclaimer, I'm a guy with a one-track mind, all right? Guys are like waffles. Girls are like spaghetti, you know, as far as cognitively. That's, that's totally true because... When we're in the living room, and I, I got to admit, this happens much more often than I would like to admit, but I'm going to be vulnerable and put myself out there for you guys. So um, sometimes when we're in the living room, and I would actually say this probably happens once a week. I'm working on it, okay? Um, we're sitting there, and JC's talking to me, right? And, and she, she's telling me about, I, I ask, right? I ask, hey, babe, how was your day? And she starts talking to me about her day. And if the TV's on, or if music's, or if anything's happening, I'm just, I'm, I'm tractor beamed in, you know? I'm like, oh, sweet. Peyton Manning, okay, great. Tom Brady's playing, boo, whatever. And I, I'm watching this thing, and, and, and I'm just sucked into the other things. And there's been so many times where JC is talking to me, and she's talking to me, and I'm like, yep, uh-huh, uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Love it. She's like, the classic, babe, are you listening? I'm like, yeah, of course. And then she calls me out on it. Okay, what did I just say? You're talking about Peyton Manning? I, may, maybe? I don't know. No. I was talking about or whatever. But I've learned that if I'm not actively, intentionally listening, then really I'm not listening at all. And the way that I'm wired, if there's something else going on that's drawing my attention and JC's speaking over here, then I'm not going to hear that. I may hear words. I may hear won't, 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 you know, Charlie Brown style. But I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm sucked into this thing over here. Well, I think it's the same thing in our relationship with God. If we're just busy and if we're preoccupied and if we're giving so much attention to this thing over here, the job, the career, the degree, the girl, the, you know, texting and flirting and all that, the winky faces and that kind of stuff, and we don't make space, and if we're not intentionally leaning in to hear God, well then, I think God's voice can sound like, wah, 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 wah. Okay, I think I hear God speaking, but I'm not really sure, so I'm just going to stay busy. But it's the intentionality, it's that cultivation of making space and actually putting things down and saying, Lord, right now, I'm all yours. We pray the prayer of Samuel. Here I am, Lord. Your servant is listening. 
I put my phone aside. I stopped thinking about my career for a second. I stopped thinking about that hot girl in my psychology class for a second. I just think about you. What do you have to say, Abba? It's first recognizing that the Spirit's in us and that God does speak, having the faith to believe that he's constantly speaking. But then it's leaning in and saying, God, what do you want to speak to me right now? And making space and not rushing it and not turning it into something on a to-do list and saying, okay, great, God spoke to me, yep, all right. But actually like being relational and saying, God, this is a relationship. This isn't just one thing on top of my busy schedule that I put you on, but this is a communal, life-giving, conversational relationship. So Abba, by your Holy Spirit, what do you have to speak to me? And as we do that, you'll find that thoughts kind of come out of nowhere and pop into your head. And impressions, these deep, just weighty impressions kind of hit your soul. And you're wondering, okay, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm filled like some gravity towards this, or I'm feeling a sense of this, or some idea or some phrase or some concept pops into your head. And all the while, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's God speaking in this space, in the margin, in the intentionality, him by his abiding presence speaking to us. Now, naturally, the next question is, well, how do I know that that's God? Um, okay, great. You're talking about thoughts. You're talking about impressions. You're talking about words and phrases. Okay, great. But, but how do I know that's not just me? How do I know I'm not hearing something and then I actually try and put that into practice and I fall flat on my face because it was never God in the first place, which I have met people who have done this. And it's heartbreaking because they're quick to say, thus saith the Lord, God said and told me dot, dot, dot. And I think we all know stories and can go around for, sadly, hours talking about times in our lives where we've met people, and they said, hey, God told me this. And you're like, dude, no. No, no. that is not God. And you may not even be able to explain it well, but you can, you can tell that is not God. And you try to reason with them, but they're like, nope, God told me. God told me that, you know, oh, man, I was about to make a political reference, but all these emails. Okay, let me back up. Let me back up. So during the election, okay, during the election, um, the pastoral staff here at New Life started getting Facebook messages and emails from these random people saying, I had a dream last night, and God told me this about Obama, and God told me this about Trump, and God told me this about Hillary, and it was all like, ugh, no. Like, no, 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 no. That is not God. And I think we often, in, in times in our lives, have those and have those people around us, and we even get thoughts and maybe even have a dream, and we try and figure out, is this me or is this actually God? And so I want to give you three questions this morning as, uh, as we near wrapping up that you can ask yourself to figure out if uh, what you're hearing in this, this weighty phrase that pops into your head or this, this thought or this uh, leaning in your soul, and you'll you know, it's like muscle memory. We become more aware of the voice of God speaking to us in these ways as we hear it. But how do we know these are actually God and not just us? So there's three questions I want to put up on the screen. Um, three questions. Does it line up with Scripture? And we're going to unpack these here in a second. Does it glorify Jesus? And can others confirm the voice? Okay, start with the first one. Does it line up with Scripture? We talked about this a couple weeks ago, the centrality of Scripture, right? The most important principle you can ever learn in your walk with God, that the Scripture is foundational to hearing the voice of God, that you will never, ever, 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 ever say ever. Say never, ever. Say never, ever, ever. 
You will never hear the voice of God that contradicts Scripture. You will never, ever, ever hear God speak to you something that completely goes against what he has already told you objectively and concretely in the written word of God. Won't happen. And so when people stand up and say, yeah, God told me this, and God told me that, and God told me it's okay to do this and uh, sleep with whoever I want, and God told me to do this, okay, no, that goes against what God has said in Scripture, that explicitly contradicts the written word of God. So the most important thing to realize and the most important question to ask is, is what I'm hearing lining up with Scripture? And right there, that will separate much of what you think is God and what you think is just yourself. That's immediately the line in the sand. Because if it passes through the filter of Scripture, okay, now these other things are secondary. That, these, are, these are things, okay, that... You know, you can, you can go through and you can talk through, but if it passes through the filter of Scripture and, and you really feel like God's speaking to you, then it, it may very well be God, and it probably is. But the, the most important thing is, is the subjective voice that you feel like you're hearing complementary and in line with the objective voice? And I'm passionate about it, and I know I'm probably beating a dead horse by talking about it, but I'm telling you, it is the most important thing you can learn in your walk with God. The centrality of Scripture. Everything else that you hear, every other lifestyle, every other belief system, every other assumption about life or existence or these existential, ooh, yeah, let's talk about this. It always must be in line with the Word of God in order for it to be true. Because God has given us absolute truth through His Scriptures. We may do a further series on that. But that's the first one. Does it line up with Scripture? God can't say one thing and then mean another or say one thing in Scripture and say something else that contradicts it. Okay, past it. Number two, does it glorify Jesus? Okay, so back in John 16, 14, Jesus said that the Spirit will glorify Jesus. He said that the Spirit won't speak on his own accord, but the Spirit will actually speak whatever I say and glorify me. And so whatever you feel like you're hearing from God— A second question is, is it glorifying Jesus or is it stroking your ego? You know, are you shooting hoops in the backyard and you you land a three-point jumper and you hear a voice that says, Josh, you are the best basketball player in the world. Oh, glory. Thank you, Father. I receive that. Mm, Yes, Lord. Thank you. Okay, that's, that's me. That's me stroking my own ego. I I don't know where that came from, a random thought, whatever. But that is not glorifying Jesus. That's actually me stroking my own pride. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and fewer voices may, may fall in this category. But if it glorifies Jesus and if the end result or the end directive or the end principle of whatever you're hearing really glorifies Jesus at its very core, then yes. It very well may be the voice of God. Because uh, the voice of God never strokes your own ego for the sake of stroking your ego and making you feel good. It just doesn't. It glorifies Jesus. Principle number three, question number three, can others confirm the voice? Go back to John 14, I believe. Yes. Um, You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Uh, For those of you theology nerds, do a Greek study on that word you. It's plural in the Greek. He's saying the Spirit of God won't just be in you, Peter, or in you, James, but will be in you. 
in the entirety of you. He will be individually in each of you, and each of you will have the exact same spirit. And so, a, a good third question is, can others confirm the voice? Is what you're hearing in line with the word of God? Is what you're hearing glorifying Jesus? And can other people, the sages, the pastors, you know, the, the, the salt and pepper, the silver foxes in your life that have walked with the Lord for a while, can they confirm the voice? Because if they can, and all three of these are in line, then I would say with 99.9% certainty that you have just heard the voice of God, my friend. Because we all have this same spirit, the same Holy Spirit that guides us into the same truth, right? There's not subjective truth. There's not relative truth. It is objective, concrete, across the board, absolute truth. And so something I'm hearing, if it truly is the spirit, I can go to Pastor Brad Baker or Pastor Gabe Jenkins or any of these guys and say, hey, can I run something by you? I was in my prayer time this morning and I was making space for God and I felt like God told me this. And those guys that have been around the block once or twice and those guys who are actively hearing God in their lives could very quickly say, that sounds an awful lot like God. Or I'm going to tell you right now, that is God. Or I'm going to tell you right now, that's not God. Don't just, just throw that in the garbage. Don't think about that again. But it's, it's the same spirit that is in every single believer consulting the believers. Uh, Proverbs says, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. We all have the spirit of the living God that lives in us. And what you're hearing should be in line with what they're hearing if it is, in fact, the same spirit and it is, in fact, what God's speaking. So I guess I'll turn this question into a a point of application as we conclude, but um, practice it. You know, like practice. As you're hearing these things and as you're hearing these phrases and as you're getting these impressions in your souls and trying to figure out if that is God and leaning in to hear the voice of God, consult the sages in your life. Consult the pastors. Yes, go through these two questions, absolutely. That's your first step. Does it line up with scripture, right? Is it glorifying Jesus? But then ask, just practice this a little bit. Turn turn it into an exercise of ear training. Turn it into an exercise where you hear that car horn and and you're, you know, you're playing. Turn it into an exercise. Go to the pastors around you. Go to the sages. Go to your friends who you know and are convinced hear from God and ask them, hey, I heard this. I'm feeling this. Do you think that's God? And then the more you do that, the more you'll become aware of, okay, wait, that definitely wasn't God. Great. That makes sense. Why? In hindsight. Okay. Now I feel like this is God. Wow. Okay. There's actually some traction here. Like I'm doing what I just heard and there's some blessing and there's some favor and there's some traction. Wow. That must be God. And as we practice it, we are fine tuning our ears to hear the very voice of God. And the voice isn't just directive, and it's not just telling us, do this, do that, don't do that. But it's this voice of relationship, this fatherly voice of Abba, Father. If it lines up with Scripture, if it glorifies Jesus, and if others can confirm the voice, the other sages in our lives, then, my friend, I think you have just heard the voice of God. And check this out. It shouldn't be something that's rare. And it shouldn't be something like this monumental, climactic moment in our lives. Oh, if you've heard the voice of God, I have arrived. Mm. Bring on that full-time ministry position because I have heard God speak. Come on. But it should be this ongoing conversation, this communion, this relationship. That's what a relationship is. It's not my dad telling me, hey, Josh, do this, do this, do this, do this. This sounds an awful lot like a dictator to me. But it's this ongoing communal relationship. I love you. Man, you're awesome. I'm so glad you're my son. 
hey, I would advise you, yeah, probably don't do this because you're going to do this, this, that. You know, it's this, this, this communion, this relationship. And so as we cultivate this quiet inward space and as we're intentional about fine-tuning our ears and as we practice hearing the voice of God by consulting the sages and weighing it through scripture and asking if it glorifies Jesus, then we become fully acquainted with the spirit and the voice. And we become fully acquainted that God is speaking to us. And we'll look back, you know, after years of practicing this and realize, man, God spoke to me so many times these past few years. And God's been faithful. And there is, in fact, this abiding relational presence of God that I have by the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, I can hear the very voice of God. So I hope that's helpful. Um, But I just encourage you, practice, practice, practice. Dig in. Turn it into an exercise, you know? Um, be Andy Bernard. Be that guy who's, who's trying to, you know, who's, who's into it and, and, and learning and all that stuff. It's because the more we learn, the more we practice, the more we will cultivate this art of hearing. Um, so let's pray and respond. Father, first of all, we thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for your voice. We thank you that you are not... Um, a God, that just some deity up in the sky, this, this deistic entity that put us on earth and left us to our own demise and, and is completely disassociated from the inner workings of our life. But Lord, we thank you that you are here and you are with us. And Jesus, you yourself promised that you would send the helper, the paraclete, the advocate, the abiding presence of God to have relationship with us, and constantly speak to us. So would you help us cultivate this art of learning and hearing? Would you help us cultivate the space, the inward space in which you speak, not just running at 100 miles an hour in our life, trying to do all the stuff and trying to get it all done, but Lord, help us to be people of margin. God, people of space, people who step into holy ground every single day and hear you speak. And though it may not be crazy supernatural, and though it may not be sexy, God, I thank you that you speak in the mundane and you speak in the ordinary. And so would you cultivate this art of hearing your voice? And we purpose ourselves to practice and to obey everything that you would speak to us. We love you, and we ask that these conversations and these discussions would bring you praise and glory, and you would help us internalize and make concrete all that we have just heard. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and everybody said, amen and amen. All right, we'll dig in. Uh, Three discussion questions up there as usual. Enjoy, nuance, um, internalize, and uh, make this practical for your life uh, tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, and the weeks to come. All right, much love. All right. Hey, a uh, couple, couple things. couple closing notes and thoughts I want to give you guys before we do our benediction that I think are going to be helpful. Um, and uh, these are thoughts that kind of surfaced at my table when we were discussing that kind of just came to me. I felt like they were pertinent. But um, first thing is, uh, in seeking to hear the voice of God, don't, don't force it. Don't feel like God's voice is something to like, you know, sub, like take under the submission of your own control. Because God speaks on his terms, not ours. And so if you say, God, speak to me about my wife, and you don't hear anything, 
Okay, well, don't try and force. Okay, well, he has to speak to me about my wife. So I guess I heard that she's going to be hot. Okay, great. That might be God speaking. But like, don't, don't force it. Don't feel like it's this thing that you have to control. But just allow in the state of your relationship with God, God to speak. Because I think so often we can try and, and submit his voice to our own will, and it just doesn't work like that. He speaks on his own terms. Um, second thing is, if you feel like you're not hearing the voice of God, that doesn't make you any less a son or a daughter of God. And I, I really want you guys to get that, because just because you feel like you're struggling and fine-tuning your ears, again, it's an exercise and it's a practice and that's going to take time, that by no means means that you are not accepted, or you're not loved, or you're any less a son of God than I am, or that Pastor Brady is, or anybody. Like, you are accepted, you are loved, you have identity, you have purpose, and just because this may be an area where you're in process does not mean that you're any less of anything. Um, I think that's important to keep in mind. And the third and final thing is just this. Just pay attention. This week, I challenge you, as you're going into school, as you're going into work, as you're making space for God, pay attention to the thoughts that pop into your head. Pay attention to those deep, weighty impressions of your soul. So often when God speaks to me, it's through that. It's this like, this knowing, you know, it's, it's this, it's not this, oh, wow, okay, I just got punched in the face by God. Wow, that sounds great. But it's this like, okay, wow, I'm, I have this impression now in the crevices of my soul, as abstract and conceptual as that sounds. And now that I've walked with God enough, I know that, you know, in that, as I pay attention to that, I can hear his voice in those. And so pay attention to those phrases, those ideas, those words, those impressions throughout this week and and develop sensitivity to those because the more sensitive we can get with those, the more and, and the more quickly we will find that those, in fact, are the voice of God speaking very often. Does that make sense? So just, I wanted to just kick those thoughts to you because those were things I didn't address, but I feel like are incredibly important as we continue to unpack this topic, all right? Let's stand and do our benediction. Uh, this, is a, this is a liturgical prayer prayed by the church um, about the Holy Spirit, um, a prayer to the Holy Spirit, all right? So uh, if you're hungry, if you want to lean in, just, you know, put your hands out or position your heart to really mean the words that we pray, but let's all pray this out loud together. May the comforter who proceeds from you enlighten our minds. We beseech you, O Lord, and guide us as your Son has promised into all truth. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and everybody said, amen, amen.